With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello, my name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is July 24, 2010. Looks like this next um, storm or depression is not going to really cause too many problems. Uh, looks like God is having uh, mercy again on our country, despite all the sins that we commit on a daily basis. So it just shows you how merciful he is, And um, but we're not out of the uh, woods yet. Uh, this is going to be, from all appearances, a... Uh, pretty significant hurricane season unless God uh, deters uh, the tremendous effect that hurricanes can cause this year. So that that's always a factor. Um, God is not, if he's not ready to execute punishment, he's not going to do it. So, but let's keep in mind, uh, let's turn to Nahum. It's one of the... Uh, Minor prophets that hardly anyone hears about these days, but Nahum, um, let's turn there here. Um, it's right, if you've never read the book of Nahum or not familiar with it, it's right after Micah. Nahum chapter 1 states in verse 2 it says, God is jealous and the Lord revenges the Lord. Revengeth and is furious, the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and reserve wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit the wicked. In other words, he won't let the wicked get away with wickedness. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind, and that word whirlwind in original Hebrew means hurricane, and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So he controls the weather, and if you go to my website and click on Bible studies and click on God and hurricanes, uh, you will see uh, scriptural evidence that God does use hurricanes sometimes to punish us so and to punish other people around the world. And then sometimes he uses hurricanes as a blessing to provide much-needed rain. So anyway, um, this Bible study is about the 1,000-year rule of Messiah and the saints. And this is in the context of what I was speaking about last week, about the second coming of Messiah or Christ. Christ means Messiah in Greek. And this is going to happen around the holy day of Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement that's listed in Leviticus chapter 23. And as I explained last week, I'll explain again, uh, this day represents national atonement coming to the entire tribes of Israel, which includes the tribes of Judah and Levi, which are the Jews today, as all the tribes recognize the true Messiah and they repent or change their minds. Now, currently, most Jews don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, or Jesus is the Messiah, that's his uh, Hebrew name, Yeshua. And Christians, which in the Bible is defined as Ephraim, and the ten lost tribes of Israel, 
believe in a counterfeit Yeshua that destroyed the Torah and removed it by dying on the cross. They're confused. They think there's a difference between the law of Moses and the law of God when they're both the same. And by the way, I did a Bible study on this, a three-part Bible study. Uh, you can listen to the first part. Uh, it's advertised on the Blog Talk Radio um, homepage, mine. It says, is the law of God, is the law of Moses nailed to the cross? So I implore you and encourage you to listen to that and also the other parts of what is sin and the last one, one law for all of mankind. Listen to all that and look at the scriptures and you'll see that it's a great deception orchestrated by Satan the devil to confuse people to think that the law of Moses is not the law of God when it's the one and the same. All right. Now both Jews and Christians will realize who the true Messiah is one day in the future. And that's the good news. Plus, Yom Kippur represents the process of separating the righteous from the wicked, which will be initiated or will begin when the Messiah lands his feet on the Mount of Olives and will end after the great white throne judgment, which we're going to talk about, uh, which is found in Revelation chapter 20. Okay, and as I spoke about last week, I talked about the second coming of Christ, that it's not going to be the way a lot of people envision it. Uh, many people envision that, hey, as soon as he comes, everything's going to be wonderful and great. No. <laughs> when he lands on the Mount of Olives, ladies and gentlemen, first he has to get rid of the wickedness on the earth. God is not going to or, or be around people. And, you know, Yeshua Messiah represents God. He's a part of God. He's a word of God. And he's not going to... Uh, be around people that are not going to submit to his rulership. Now, remember, he came first as a lamb. He's not going to absorb all of our sins this time <laughs> when he comes back. He is going to execute anyone that will oppose him. All right, as First Corinthians chapter 15 states, First Corinthians chapter 15, he's not going to put up with rebellion anymore when he comes back. First Corinthians chapter 15. Which is really a nice description of what the gospel of the good news is all about. And he states here that um, in verse 24, then comes the end, which means the end of this current world, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Verse 25, and it's talking about the Messiah, Yeshua. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, and death is associated with sin. Sin is rebellion. So he's going to put down all rebellion. Put down all rebellion. We're moving. And that's what Yom Kippur pictures, him getting rid of all rebellion, all sin, getting rid of death, so that we can be at one with God. And when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, that process will begin literally. He's going to burn up anyone that is opposed to him. He's going to destroy them. That's what the Bible indicates. And once he purges the earth of all this wickedness, that's when things will be beautiful on the earth. But this process is going to begin immediately, as I've explained last week, immediately once he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, the Mount of Olives is right across from the Temple Mount or the Temple at Jerusalem. He's going to land there. When... Yeshua had his Olivet, when he gave his Olivet prophecy, that's the reason why it's called Olivet, is because he was on the Mount of Olives at the time. When he resurrected into heaven, ascended to heaven, he was on the Mount of Olives. And then the angels, as I read to you last week, we can read that again here in Acts. So the Mount of Olives is where... If you're looking for him to come back, ladies and gentlemen, and if you're still alive, look at the Mount of Olives. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. Remember that, right across from the temple. Acts. That's the hottest spot in the world because that's where he's going to land his two feet 
Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, and but wait for the promise of the Father, which says, He, you have heard of me. For John truly immersed you with water, but you shall be immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? We're going to go into detail what that is talking about today. Restoring the kingdom of Israel has something to do with the new covenant or, or the gospel, the good news. Okay, Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and the West Bank and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of of the earth. So this message is supposed to be a worldwide message. It's not just for the Jews. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So he vanished. Verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Verse 11, Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven or or the sky? This same Yeshua, or Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Verse 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. So we have scriptural proof and evidence that they were on the Mount of Olives, and he ascended to heaven on the Mount of Olives. Now, in Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah chapter 14. It says that the Lord will come back and land his feet on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so Zechariah 14, starting in verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, or plunder. Verse 2, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished or raped, and half the city, half the city, in other words, the city of Jerusalem will be divided, shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off in the city. Then shall the Lord Go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So when this happens, that's when he's going to return. Verse 4, when Jerusalem is divided and women are raped, that's when that's the last straw, that's when he's coming back. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountains shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach into Azel. You shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, rather, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. So all the saints and the holy angels will be with him also when he lands his feet on the on Mount of Olives. Verse 6. It shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass at at evening time it shall be light, and it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, colon, continue the thought, and that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one, so that's not going to be any more various different beliefs of what people think the Lord is. It's going to be one Lord and one belief, one religion. Verse 10, And all the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate and to the place of the first gate, talking about the temple, to the corner gate and from the tower of 
and a kneel into the king's winepresses. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction. But Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Think of a safely inhabited Jerusalem. Look forward to that. And this shall be the plague, whereof the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away, and their holes and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. And this is because, as I've explained, uh, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, people will be burnt up. And this is just a simple description of what happens when you're burnt up. Verse 13, And it shall come to pass in that day that a great torment from the Lord, um, and that word, uh, torment means panic, from the Lord shall be among them, and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah, or the Jews, also shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And so God is going to allow the Jews to get all the wealth of the heathen. Verse 15, And so shall there be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, of the ass, and all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. So this is going to affect the animals, too, that are being used uh, for war as well. Verse 16, It shall come to pass that everyone that is left, so it's going to be some people remaining from uh, this plague. Obviously, these people must have repented, or else they would have been destroyed. Uh, verse 16, It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and keep the feasts of tabernacles. Now, in the Torah, first five books of the Bible, uh, Moses instructed the people to, every seven years, read to all the commandments of God. So every seven years, during the Festival of Tabernacles, when you celebrate it, you will be aware of all the rest of the commandments of God. So I just wanted to bring that up because if, if God is going to allow everyone in the world to do this, then obviously he's going to expect them also to keep all the commandments. Verse 17, and it shall come, it shall be, that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth into Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt, which is symbolic of the world, go not up and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague whereof the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So he's going to smite them with a plague. Verse 19, this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 20, in that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord and the pots, and the Lord's house shall be like the bows before the altar. Verse 21, yes, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seize therein, and that day there shall be no more the Canaanite, which is another translation, should be uh, for the Canaanite, the, the merchant in the house of the Lord of hosts. And so even back then they had an issue with um, people buying and selling and trading in the house of God or in the temple, and that won't exist, of course, in the millennium. So uh just wanted to point that out. All right, there's other scriptures that will... Like Malachi 3 and 4, I wanted to read that last week, and I'm going to read that this week, and then we're going to get into Revelation 19. Malachi. Let's see if I can read this in a different, clearer version here. Malachi chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to start in verse 1. In Malachi, this is the, what version is this? the Bible in basic English. See, Malachi 3, verse 1, See, I am sending my servant, and he will make ready the way before me, which is the Elijah, and at that time it was John the Baptist, but it will be another Elijah that will prepare the way for, for the Lord's second coming. See, I am sending my servant, and he will make ready the way before me, and the Lord, whom you are looking for, will suddenly come to his temple, and the angel of the agreement, that is another name for the Messiah, and whom you have delight, see, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. Verse 2, but by whom may the day of his coming be faced, and who may keep his place when he is seen? For he is like the metal tester's fire and the cleaner's soap. He will take he will take his seat, testing and cleaning the sons of Levi, burning away the evil from them as from gold and silver, so that they may make offerings to the Lord in righteousness. So here we go. Uh, the temple will be the temple 
will be uh, built again. Or actually, the temple was already built, but it's going to be restored because it's going to be slightly or perhaps more than slightly destroyed during the Great Tribulation. Verse 4 of Malachi chapter 3. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days gone by and as in past years. Verse 5. And I will come near to you for judging. I will quickly be a witness against the wonder workers, against those who have been untrue in married life, against those who take false oaths, against those who keep back from the servant his payment. And that is uh, definitely what's going on worldwide. People aren't getting paid what they're worth, many people. And who are hard on the widow and the child without a father, who do not give his rights to the man from a strange country, and have no fear of me, says the Lord of armies. So God is coming back also because of the tremendous poverty of the world. He doesn't like to see people suffer. So he's going to come back. That's one of the major reasons why he's coming back. So because there's many people who keep back from the servant his payment and who are hard on a widow and a child without a father who do not give his rights to the man from a strange country and have no fear of me. That's how you have fear of God when you take care of people who are um, less privileged from us. The opening of my program, you need to study that. If you haven't already, Psalm 82 uh, it says, says that the reason why we have tremendous problems in the world is because people aren't taking care of the poor. People aren't, and that's causing the foundations of the earth to be um, perverted, unstable. Verse 6, Malachi 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I am unchanged, and so you, O sons of Jacob. The sons of Jacob are the, all the tribes of Israel. And as I explained last week, I'll explain it each and every program, it seems, I guess. Uh, the 12 tribes of Israel not only consist of the Jews, but also the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, all the countries in Northwestern Europe. Um, those countries consist of part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Also, someone believes in Yeshua Messiah as the Messiah. They also become a part of Israel. And that can be proven uh, through the Bible. To help you with that proof and investigation, you should go to www.britam.org. That's www.britam.org. Okay, so Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I am unchanged, and so you, O sons of Jacob, have not been cut off. Verse 7. For from the days of your fathers you have been turned away from my rules and have not kept them. Rules meaning commandments. Come back to me, and I will come back to you, says the Lord of armies. But you say, how are we to come back? Verse 8, will a man keep back from God what is right? But you have kept back what is mine. But you say, what have we kept back from you? Tents and offerings, or tithes and offerings. And by the way, I have an article on my website, if you don't know what that is. Uh, verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you have kept back from me what is mine, even all this nation. Verse 10, let your tents come into the storehouse, which is the temple, so that there may be food in my house, and put me to the test by doing so, says the Lord of armies, and see if I do not make the windows of heaven open, and send down such a blessing on you that there is no room for it. And this is a prophecy because I know that God's true servants, and I'm one of them, don't get hardly anything from people uh, that, that listen to me. And you know, I, I follow the example of Paul. Paul worked for a living. He didn't depend on the people because people are not dependable when it comes to to them helping you out. You know, I I, I know that. You know, and I don't uh, every week hardly ever ask anyone to help me. Uh, but I do need help. I do need uh, monies to conduct this ministry and and, and to live and survive. And, and really, all I need is uh, food. And, and, and money to, to help support me and, and my family. That's really all I need. I don't need to become rich. Uh, being a, a true servant of God is not about being rich. It's about doing what I'm doing now, preaching, trying to reach as many people as I can with the truth of God. But uh, if you have it in your heart to want to give to this ministry, I would appreciate it, and I'm sure God would very much. And if you don't know how to do that, please read my article, Tithes and Offerings. And I don't advertise this a lot because I realize that 
that um, that's not my focus is to get money because I work and and I do the best I can to support myself and my family. But God's ministers, His true ministers, definitely <laughs> can need a helping hand, and this prophecy is proof of it because the nation has been cursed because. Sure, the money's going to other ministers, but they're not true ministers of God. Uh, but folks like me who are preaching the truth from the Bible, and you can prove that, need your help. Need your help. So anyway, verse 9, he says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have kept back from me what is mine, even all this nation. Verse 10, Let your tents come into the storehouse. Back then it was a storehouse. Today the temple is uh, destroyed. You have the temple mount. But for those who are spiritual Levites like myself, you should support them. If you know that it's preaching the truth, you should support them by providing them food and the means to continue to buy food and to be able to, to have a roof over their head. Verse 10, Let your tents come into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test by doing so, says the Lord of armies. And see, if I do not make the windows of heaven open and send you down a blessing on you that there is no room for it. So, if you provide food for, for his ministry, he will provide you food. That's what he's saying. Plenty of it. Verse 11. And on your account, I will keep back the locusts from wasting the fruits of your land. Many people, uh, they eisegesis this or put their own thoughts into the scripture and say, well, he's going to give me a lot of money. No, he's going to provide you with what you need. That's what he's saying. If you help one of his own, uh, one of the ministries, you, he will, you will also um, do, do yourself some good because he's going to continue to bless you. Uh, if you hear that noise there, excuse that. Anyway, Malachi 3, verse 11. And on your account I will keep back the locusts from wasting the fruits of your land, and the fruit of your vine will not be dropped on the field before its time, says the Lord of armies. So he's going to give you proper agriculture, and, and, and the, the fruit of the land of the vine will grow properly. That's what he's saying. Verse 12. And you will be named happy by all nations, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of armies. Your words have been strong against me, says the Lord, and... Still, you say, what have we said against you? You have said, it is no use worshiping God. What profit have we had from keeping his orders and going in clothing of sorrow before the Lord of armies? Verse 15, and now to us the men of pride seem happy. Yes, the evildoers are doing well. They put God to the test and are safe. Verse 16, then those in whom was the fear of the Lord had talked together. What's the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 8, verse 13, is to hate evil. And the Lord gave ear, and it was recorded in a book to be kept in mind before him for those who had the fear of the Lord and gave thought to his name. So he's going to remember those who do hate evil. He's going to remember those individuals. Verse 17 of Malachi. And they will be mine, says the Lord, in the day when I make them my special property, and I will have mercy on them, or compassion, as a man has compassion on his son who is, who is a servant, who is his servant. Verse 18 of Malachi. Then you will again see how the upright man is different from the sinner and a servant of God from him who is not. And that's what I am. I'm a servant of God, and I do the best I can to obey him and to preach his word. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. And this is what you're going to hear at the end of this program and every program. Malachi 4, verse 1. For see, the day is coming. It is burning like an oven. All the men of pride and all who do evil will be dry stems of grass. Colon, continued its thought, and in the day which is coming, they will be burned up, says the Lord of armies, till they have not a root or a branch, and that is the plague that was talking about, talked about in Zechariah chapter 14, verse uh, Malachi 4, verse 2. But to you who give worship to my name, the Son of Righteousness, who is another name for the Messiah, will come up with new life in its wings, and you will go out playing like young oxen full of food. Verse 3 of Malachi, and the evildoers will be crushed under you. They will be dust under your feet in the day when I do my work, says the Lord of armies. Now, Malachi 4, verse 4, keep in mind the law of Moses, my servant, which I gave him in orb for all of Israel, even the rules and the decisions. So if this law, which is also another name for the law of God, is the law of Moses, because God gave Moses the law, that's the reason why it's called the law of Moses, not because it's a separate law from the law of God. He's telling anyone who has eyes to see and ears to hear that this law of Moses is so important that it's in the context of hellfire. Okay? Now, in verse 5 of Malachi chapter 4, See, I am sending you Elijah the prophet before the day of the Lord comes, the great day, greatly to be feared. That day 
that is greatly to be feared is obviously the day when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. So this Elijah the prophet is going to come before that day comes. All right? Verse 6, And by him the hearts of the fathers will be turned to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers are going to be family reconciliation. Also in the Septuagint, which is the Greek, the first um, translation of the Bible into a different language, the oldest um, translation of the of the Tanakh or the Old Testament into a different language, which was Greek. It states that uh, um, it says, uh, and by him the hearts of the fathers will return to the children, and a man toward his neighbor. So people are going to learn to to love their neighbor as they love themselves by the teaching of this Elijah the prophet. So uh, it says, for fear that I may come and put the earth under a curse. So in verse Malachi 4, verse 6, And by him the hearts of fathers will be turned to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, for fear that I may come and put the earth under a curse. So if this Elijah did not come, if he didn't preach the message of reconciliation and, and turning back to God and repenting, as if you want an example of what he's going to preach about, study Luke chapter 3. Because John the Baptist is a Yochanan, Yochanan, the immerser. He was a type of the end-time Elijah, and he spoke about caring about people. Uh, if you have two coats, give another person a coat that you know doesn't have one. The same with food. If you have a lot of food, if you know that someone's starving, give them some food. Okay? So uh, if you have two sets of food, give the other person uh, the other part. Give 50% of what you have if you're wealthy, if, if you have certain things. And I know... Most people aren't doing that right now, but that's the message that this Elijah preaches to help people. All right, so fear, and so right here in Malachi 4, verse 6, and by him the hearts of the fathers will be turned to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, for fear that I may come and put the earth under a curse. Now, Elijah is the forerunner, okay, of the Messiah. The Messiah is also going to be doing these things. He's going to be preaching that you should love your neighbor as yourself and that you should help other people. That's what the message of the entire Bible is about. It's about, just like Cain, he had uh, disrespectfully answered God and said, well, is, he said, where's your brother? And then Cain said, well, is, is my brother, am I my brother's keeper or protector? That's what the word keeper in original Hebrew means. And yes, we are. We are. We should protect one another and care about one another. And that is the message of the entire Bible. And unfortunately, we go along and we just care about ourselves and our immediate family and and if you ask anyone why why is it that we work do you do you know why we work there's a simple scripture to tell us tell us why we work you know and and uh see if i can find it here yeah uh, it says right here in Ephesians 4 verse 28 Ephesians 4 verse uh, 28 This is the reason why we work. Ephesians 4, verse 28, in the Bible in basic English version. It says, let him, who has a, let him who was a thief be so no longer, but let him do good work with his hands, or work, so that he may have something to give to him who is in need. It doesn't say just your mommy and daddy and, and your own kids and so forth, but anyone that's in need. Ephesians 4, verse 28. That's why we work. That's why we work. And then in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 35, actually starting in verse 34, Acts 20, verse 34, you yourselves have seen that with these hands, and this is Paul, I follow his example, I got what was necessary for me and those who were with me. So I'm not asking for handouts, I'm, I'm working hard. But hey, if somebody wants to help me, I'm not going to turn that away. I'm not stupid. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, in all things, and, and Paul didn't turn it away either. Acts 20, verse 35, in all things, I was an example to you of how in your lives you are to give help to the feeble and keep in memory the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said there is a greater blessing in giving than in getting. So this is a part of true religion, ladies and gentlemen, or pure religion. Acts 20, verse 35, in all things, I was an example to you of how in your lives you are to give help to the feeble. And keep in memory the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said there is a greater blessing in giving than in getting. All right? So that's what this religious life should be all about. 
Okay. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 19. I wanted to, to cover that last week. I'll cover it this time. Revelation chapter 19. Now, this is going to occur right after all the plagues have been executed. Revelation chapter 19. After these things I heard a great voice of, of much people in heaven. What things? Well, if you read Revelation 18, it's talking about the destruction of uh, Babylon at this time. Babylon is, is symbolic of the world leadership that is against God. That's going to be destroyed at this time. And then Revelation 19, verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven, saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. But he has judged a great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. Not the, not the bodies, but the smoke. <laughs> verse 4, and the, and the 24 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God. All ye your servants, that ye fear him, both small and great. Verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and the wife has made herself ready. So the marriage is going to be done here in heaven, it appears. And verse 11. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Remember that as we continue to read this. Verse 9, And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he says unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Verse 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit or mindset of prophecy of future history. Verse 11, and I saw heaven open, or the sky open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. So, as I told you, uh, when Yeshua comes back the second time, ladies and gentlemen, he is not coming as a lamb. He's coming as a warrior, <laughs> and you're going to understand why here in a minute. Verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. So he's going to have the power of the sun, ladies and gentlemen, when he's coming here, and it's for a reason. Verse 13, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He is God because he's a part of God. He is the Word of God. Verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's, those are the saints and also the angels of God. Verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it be, that with it he should smite the nations. It's going to smite the nations. That's the reason he has to come back as a warrior. Now remember I read you in Revelation chapter 11 that the nations were angry when he's, <laughs> of the announcement that he's going to rule the earth. And so one of the vials, the sixth vial, was in preparation to prepare all the armies to go to the valley of Jehoshaphat so that um, they would all be to gather together so that when he lands in the Mount of Olives, he can quickly uh, annihilate them and destroy them, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron with force, with authoritative force. And he dreadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. Verse 16, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he's going to be King of Kings. Now, realize what this means. There's also going to be other kings other than him, but he's the King of Kings. And it's going to be Lord of Lords, but there's going to be other lords underneath him. Okay? Verse 17, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and this angel is literally standing in the sun. Must be a powerful angel. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. So he's telling them to come and gather themselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free 
and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and his army, which consists not only of the angels, but also the saints. Verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant, or the remaining, people of the army were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse which proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. In Revelation 20, verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Verse 3, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive or trick the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And in verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon him, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So that's the reason why we get the concept or the idea of a thousand years, because it's in the Bible. Verse 5, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ. So they're not only going to be priests of Yeshua, but also of God the Father, and shall reign with him a thousand years years okay so we're going to talk about that the thousand years was going to happen during a thousand years and what will happen after in, in this uh, 19 minutes that I have here so Daniel 12 verse 3 tells us what's going to happen to those who are cursed and those who are blessed at this time. Daniel 12, verse 3. Let me, let me give you the context here. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that same time, colon, continue the thought, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book, and that book obviously is a book of life, verse 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. They will be destroyed. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. So if you're wise, you're going to shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So let me just focus on this scripture. If you're wise, and a wise person is, is someone who fears God and keeps his commandments and hates evil, then you will be wise like the firmament, and you will be as the stars forever and ever. So you're going to be, you're going to receive a spiritual, immortal body, and you're going to be glorious. That's what it's saying there. And Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Psalm 149, starting in verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory, colon. Let them sing upon their beds. And obviously, I guess we'll have beds in that house that God right now, as I'm speaking, is building for his children. And uh, we will have our own rooms, as uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 2 reveals. And we're going to have beds, obviously, in those rooms. Verse 6, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. So that we're going to also be executing judgment along with Yeshua. And remember, he's going to be the king of kings and the lord of lords. There's going to be other kings and lords ruling with him on the earth. Lord means master. 
God means mighty ones. There's going to be other mighty ones along with Yeshua on the earth, and that is the truth, the scriptural truth there. Uh, Daniel 7. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 to 27. I beheld in the same horn, and this is the anti-Messiah, made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So the saints will be overcome, but it's not going to happen for long because, in verse 22, until the ancients of days came in, in the form of Yeshua Messiah, the ancient of days is God the Father, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. So the saints are going to be given judgment. And, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Yeshua and the saints are going to possess the kingdom or all the nations of the world. Verse 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which is in the form right now of the new world order. I don't know if it's going to be called something else. It probably will be. But that's what the fourth kingdom upon the earth is right now. The new world order, the United Nations, and, and other organizations have a, have a role in it. But it remains to be seen what the final structure of this world ruling empire will be. Verse 23, thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse or different from all other kingdoms, and shall be devour the whole earth. So devour means eat it, and shall thread it down and break it in pieces. Now the only weapons that I know of that, that are capable of doing that, ladies and gentlemen, are nuclear bombs. So this is a prophecy to let you know that nuclear bombs will be used. They already have been used, but they're going to be used in a great way toward the end. Verse 24, and the ten horns out of this kingdom are the ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. He shall be diverse or different from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. Verse 25. He shall speak great words against the Most High, and that's God the Father, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, or just totally just exhaust us, and think to change times and laws. And not only think, but did and will uh, change laws, because uh, this is a prophecy of what, actually happened uh, in uh, around uh, the time when the Romans had accepted Christianity with Constantine. They changed laws already, and then they had uh, certain meetings to, to say Christians must not Judaize, in other words, keep uh, the holy days of God and so forth, and not keep the Sabbath. And that happened even back then, and it's going to happen again in the future. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. Verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So again, it tells you that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of God and, and Yeshua and also the saints. That's what your Bible states. That's what your Bible states. Okay. And let's get to what this new covenant is all about. And how much time do I have left here? Uh, Twelve minutes. Jeremiah. And this is uh, found in Hebrews as well. Jeremiah. Chapter 31. So this is the new covenant that was sealed in Christ's blood. And let's understand what it's about. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. It says, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Covenant means agreement with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So the house of Judah are the Jews, and the house of Israel are the remaining ten tribes, which I told you, again, geographically consists of the United States, Britain, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, the countries in northwestern Europe, and anyone that accepts Jesus or Yeshua as the Messiah, as their Lord and Savior. So anyway, verse 31, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new agreement with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the agreement that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my agreement they broke, they didn't, you know, they broke the laws and also the agreement to keep the laws. Although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. Verse 33, but this shall be the agreement that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law 
So the law wasn't destroyed, ladies and gentlemen. Just listen to what I'm saying here. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their minds and will be their God and they shall be my people. So the law is not destroyed. What is going to happen, and it even happening now uh, with, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, actually it began back in Old Testament times because the prophets did have the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God enables you to keep his law, and that's what he's talking about here. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 34, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, like I'm doing now. <laughs> that will be unnecessary, and this is why. Colin continued out, For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So this has not happened, ladies and gentlemen. But this process has begun in a great way. It began in Old Testament times, but... It began in a great way in the first century after Christ sacrificed himself, as he stated in one of the scriptures in the gospel. This is the blood of the new agreement that's shed for, for you. And it's not only shed for us, but for all of mankind. Through his shed blood, we will be able to keep his law if we obey him. That's what the new covenant is all about. But it's also about reuniting the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which is the Jews, okay, and this is outlined in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 15 to 28 as well. That is also part of the new covenant as well that I'm sure that most people don't, don't realize because it's not being taught by uh, too many people. All right, and Isaiah chapter 2 gives you a picture of the way the world is going to be. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, and you can read it, to, at, at, well, let me actually start in verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Jew, the Jews and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, which is another phrase for Mount Moriah, Moriah uh, the temple mount, shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, or to the temple mount, or to the temple, the rebuilt temple, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion, which is a, uh, another name for Jerusalem or, or near the vicinity of Jerusalem, shall go forth the law, the Torah, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, Torah, meaning the law of God. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, agricultural tools, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So it's going to be... Um, peace. I know the United Nations has a statue that has this scripture on there. Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. Starting in verse 18. It says, But be ye glad and rejoice for, for in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem and rejoicing in her people of joy, and I will Rejoice in Jerusalem, Isaiah 65, verse 19. And joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner uh, being a hundred year, years old shall be accursed. So that's talking about during the millennium that there's still going to be death, but people will be allowed to live a proper span of life. Verse 21. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. So it's going to be tremendous blessings, and it shall come to pass in that. Before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So the, the entire world will be at peace because people will be keeping the law of God, which brings peace. And that's something that's not being done right now, and that's the reason why we have tremendous problems 
in the world. Now, this will be the case for the thousand years, and looks like I'm going to have to talk about next week what's going to happen <laughs> after the thousand years because I don't have enough time. But Isaiah chapter 11. We'll talk about Isaiah chapter 11 next week because it goes into detail about uh, what's going to happen in terms, um, in, in reference to uh, the Messiah coming back. It just goes into detail. It's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, basically. So I'm going to read that next week. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22. I'm going to close with this. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. This process of new heavens and new earth will begin when Yeshua lands his feet on the Mount of Olives and will be completed after the thousand years, after the great white throne judgment. So the process of the new heavens and the new earth will begin when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. Remember that, verse 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Shabbat to another shall all flesh, all of mankind, come to worship before me, says the Lord of hosts. So for anyone that thinks that the law is done away with, well, it's not done away with according to God. Uh, all of mankind will be required to worship the new moons and also Shabbat. The new moons. To, to worship the new moons means that you're keeping the holy days because without new moon observation, any Jew will tell you this, uh, you cannot keep the holy days. Their calendar is based on the calculations of new moon observance, which should be done um, by observing, but it's done by calculations. That's another story in itself. But uh, verse 24, And they shall go forth and look upon the bodies of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm, the worm, not their bodies, but the worms that will obviously eat up the bodies, the dead carcasses, shall not die. In other words, there's going to be quite a few bodies there that you're going to be seeing worms consistently there uh, in the Valley of Gehenna, or Gehenna at that time, a place called Gehenna. Neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. So God's going to allow these dead bodies to be, or these carcasses, to be there as a witness to to anyone who will disobey his Messiah, Yeshua Messiah. Because if you don't obey him, you're not obeying God the Father. Okay, and in Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? They're doing this now, even as I'm speaking. Even as I'm speaking. Verse 2, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, which is the Messiah. And also, this could be referring to uh, not only the Messiah, but also people who are on his team, the saints. And they are plotting against those the Messiah, and his believers. Verse 3, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. And it states right here in verse 12, says, Kiss the son, that not he be angry, and you perish from the way, or be consumed. When his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So that is going to be the way it's going to be, ladies and gentlemen, in God's kingdom. Uh, he's not going to tolerate sin. And he's going to totally destroy it as a lion, not as a lamb. I will talk about what's going to happen at, after the millennium next week. May God bless and keep you, and I'll speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. 
and ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.